0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We live in a world full of information, literally at our fingertips. Among all the claims of truth in the world, it can be hard to separate fact from fiction. This is often the case when it comes to the Christian faith. Do we understand the truth of what we believe and can we articulate it to others? In The Essentials, Why Truth Matters, we'll use the affirmations of the Apostles' Creed as a guide to teaching us the core doctrines of the Christian faith. Join us each week as we affirm the foundational truths of Christianity so we can stand on the bedrock of God's truth and share that good news with the world. Easter celebration this week here on Palm Sunday. I pray that you would fill our hearts, Lord, that your word would come down and speak directly to each person in this room and each person who's joined us online and that your voice would be heard. It's in your name we pray and in your name that we sing and we shout, Hosanna to the King. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Well, who is this Jesus we sing about, right? Who is the one that people welcomed as he came into Jerusalem, according to the Gospels? As he came into Jerusalem, people welcomed him with their palm branches and their shouts and their praise. Um, There had to be some kind of confusion because as you keep reading, just a couple of days later, they were shouting different things, things like crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. Away with him. We'd rather have Barabbas, right? What, what happened? Who is this Jesus that the crowd would go from praising him to rejecting him? That's what we want to find out today in our, in our study. We've, for the, if you've missed the last couple of weeks, I want to catch you up just real quickly. We started a series a couple of weeks ago uh, that, uh, that we're calling The Essentials. Why Truth Matters. It's a look at a creed, a statement that the church, the believers in Jesus, the followers of Jesus, early on, we're talking like in the second century, began to craft to help them communicate orally to, their, to, to believers in Jesus what it is they truly believed. What, what it truly was that the apostles were teaching, those that... Uh, followed Jesus, that witnessed his resurrection, and that the Holy Spirit would empower to teach the things of Jesus now that Jesus is gone, now they had the Holy Spirit. What was it they truly taught? And so they crafted this statement called the Apostles' Creed. It wasn't written by the apostles, but it was written to help explain in a very summarized form what the apostles teach. And part of it deals with the identity of, of Jesus. So last week, we looked at the first phrase. Actually, the last couple of weeks, we looked at that first phrase that says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. The second phrase continues that and says, I believe in Jesus Christ, his son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. So part of the teachings of the apostles helped us understand who truly is Jesus. We want to share that with you because we believe this really does matter. This will affect the strength of your belief. This will affect how you read the scripture. It will will, will affect how you endure um, the sufferings and the difficulties as, as a follower of Jesus. So I hope this helps you today. So we're going to look in John chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If we can get the house lights on so people can see their Bibles, that would be great. Because uh, I don't want a bunch of glows right from your devices blinding me. You know, that wouldn't, that wouldn't help much at all. Um, so John chapter 1. Uh, there's lots of passages we could look at to consider what is the identity of Jesus. Uh, because you, you, need, you need to know that all of Scripture points to Jesus. Right, from Genesis to Revelation, you can see as the authors of Scripture, as they're inspired by God to to write his truth as God's Spirit breathed on them, that all those words point eventually to Jesus, God's Son. But John chapter 1, I think, is a really foundational passage because John gives us at the beginning of his gospel an explanation of who Jesus is theologically, so John's gospel is a little bit different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, who are gospel writers. Specifically, Matthew and Luke wrote about how Jesus came, right? Yeah, they talked about, the, you know, the shepherds and the wise men and the angel's announcement and such things. John doesn't go there. John doesn't, John, in fact, John was the last one to write a gospel. So this was years after Matthew, Mark, and Luke had written their story of Jesus, So it's like John comes to the scene and says, you've got all that. Let me make sure you understand who Jesus is. Because if you know who he is, if you know that, you will believe. And if you believe, you will have life. That's the whole essence of the gospel of John. That you may know who Jesus is, by knowing you would believe, and by believing you would have life. So that's what our, our goal this morning, is that you would make sure you know who he is and that the Spirit of God would convince you of its truth. And by knowing and believing, you would have life. So let's look in, in chapter 1. Um, or as we see this, these f- a few verses, you'll see that Jesus, as John describes him, shines the light on God. It will help you know God. And there's three ways that Jesus does this. First of all, he shows us in the first four verses that shows, he shines the light on God through his relationship to God. All right, let's look first of all at his relationship to God. Chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and life was the light of men. So John gives Jesus a title. It's not his biological name. It wouldn't be on his birth certificate if they had such a thing. But it gives us an understanding of, remember, who he is theologically. He says, in the beginning was the word. That's the title that John gives to Jesus, the word. How many here used words today? Can I see your hand? All right, most of you here. Words express thoughts, right? Like some of you have said to people in your family, I'm not a mind reader. I need you to say something. I need you to say what you're thinking. Words are the expression of a concept. John says that's Jesus. He is the expression of this concept of, of God. And it says, in the beginning was the word. So this word, this expression of God was in the beginning. In the beginning of time. In other words, there was never a time when the word didn't exist. We can call it preexistent, existing before time. Jesus, the son of God. Son doesn't mean origin or birth. It means relationship. So when Jesus, is, or the word is described as being at the beginning, it's saying that there was never a time that Jesus wasn't which is really hard to get our minds around, right? Can you, would you agree with that? Can we admit that, that ah, I just don't get it? Because what about before there was all this? Were they like, what was he doing? How, how, how can something never have a beginning? Everything we know has a beginning, right? We all had a beginning. There was a time when we didn't exist. There was a time when the world didn't exist, but it's not true with God always been jesus the expression of god has always been he didn't begin in bethlehem he existed before time so in the beginning was the word and the word was with god he wasn't alone he was with god that literally means face to face in relationship a close knowing relationship with god And it says, and it goes further and says, So that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word... Here, is where, here we go. The Word was God. He was with God and was God. As Scripture teaches, there is only one God, but there's three persons. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three persons of one deity, one God. The Word was and is God. Verse 2 says it again. He was in the beginning with God, just in case you missed it. Yep, he was always has been. And then it says all things were made by him. That Jesus is the creator. The word is the creator. Together with the Father, the Son and Holy Spirit, they were all active in the work of creation. In fact, whenever you read in the book of Genesis chapter 1 that says and God said, let there be light. Let there be uh, the separation of dry land from the waters. Let the earth produce uh, the, the, the vegetation. Whenever it's God said, that's the word expressing. That's Jesus, the creator, the expression of God at work. So Jesus is the creator God in relationship with the Father And the spirit. And this is the concept that was so difficult for people to comprehend during that day. That's why people got so angry at him, is that he would have the audacity to say that he, a human, was God. So the religious leaders watched him express these supernatural aspects. Right? And maybe you remember in John's gospel, it reveals how it all started when Jesus was at a wedding and he changed the water to wine. Who does that? Who can do that? And then Jesus goes to a place where there was a bunch of sick people and he says to one who's been lame for 38 years, he says to him, just pick up your bed and, and walk. And for the first time in 38 years, the man picks up his bed and actually is able to walk. Then Jesus takes bread, a little boy's lunch, and he divides it and feeds over 5,000 people with this little boy's lunch. I mean, supernatural things that cause some people to say, who do you think you are doing this stuff? In fact, one of the questions they asked to kind of press him into his admission of who he was claiming to be, they said to him, are you saying you're greater than Abraham? I mean, Abraham was the top dog. Right, for, for a Jew, there is no one greater, there's no human greater than Abraham. He's the father of faith. Are you, Jesus of Nazareth, claiming to be greater than Abraham? And Jesus said, truly, before Abraham was, I am. How can you be before Abraham was? You're 33 years old. Abraham lived thousands of years ago. And for you to say, I am, that's taking the title of God. Oh, that made them mad. But not as mad and angry as they were when he would later say, to those who follow me, I give to them eternal life because I and the Father are one. That pushed him over the edge. And that's when they tried to take his life at that moment. So his claims to be deity angered them because he was claiming to be God himself. And yet, throughout all of Scripture, it shows that Jesus is the Son of God, having the full nature of God, always existing in perfect relationship with the Father, which enables him to shine the light on God. Secondly, hang with me here, folks. Are you with me? Are we? Okay. Go to, go to verse 9. You see that he enlightens everyone who believes in him. This is what the word does. He enlightens those that look to him. He shines the light on them. Verse 9 says, he is the true light, which gives light to everyone. He was coming down into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let's go back to that. He is the true light. True means genuine. It's the opposite of counterfeit. It's the real one. It's the real light. It also, means, it also means perfect, without defect, right? If someone says his aim was true, it's saying that his aim was not off. His sights were not misaligned. The sights were true. His aim was true. The bullet went where, he, it, was, where it was targeted, right? So when he's the true light, it means he's the complete light. He's the genuine light. He is the full light. He is the perfect light without defect now there was other lights where jesus said that you're the light of the world he said that to his followers if you believe in jesus he said you are the light of the world but here's the thing you're not the true light because how many here fully and perfectly revealed god by how you live and how you talk and how you think In how you, how you value? Is anybody here able to do it perfectly? No, no, didn't think so. We're all a little bit off. Yeah, yeah, some of you are way off. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. (laughs) So we're not the true light. In fact, Jesus says to the Hebrew people, to the Jews, He says, "You are a light to the nations." It was God's design all through that time when he said to them, you are my people, and I'll be your God, and you will be a light to the nations. What he was saying is, I am going to reveal myself to the nations of the world through you. You are the light to the nations. But here's the thing. They were not the true light. They didn't perfectly reveal it. They didn't fully reveal God. John says about Jesus... He is the true light, perfect, full, constant, genuine, revealing God, the true light. I, I had mentioned to you a couple times before that of our hiking trip this past summer where we took four days overnight into the wilderness with nothing, right? It was an incredible experience, but we knew it would be very dark, We knew there's no electricity anywhere, so we made sure we prepared for that. Made sure everybody knew, hey, make sure you've got flashlights and stuff. Well, I was at the dollar store and I saw they had these headlamps right for a buck. And I, where was a buck 25? Maybe it was a buck 25. Anyway, so I, I thought this is brilliant. For a dollar. Here's my son was spending 25 bucks for his or whatever, and I I got one for a dollar. So I, I bought two. I backed one for my, my other son. And so it was great first night. His son's getting dark. No problem for Dan because he's got this headlamp. As soon as it got really dark, I put that thing on and clicked it on and shined it around. Yup, just as bright as theirs. It was just fine. I took like four steps. And boom, it's out. <laughs> I guys, I tap it. Then it comes on. But yeah, I just need a little adjustment. I'm fine. Boom, it's out. Darn. Well, you never can't trust those dollar store batteries, right? Those pre-installed things. But t- Which is why I bought a pack of AAAs. So I went to the pack, borrowed a light, showed them my, my pack and got the lights or the batteries and switched the things, put them back on, turned it on. Yeah, that's a buck. Well, plus three ninety nine for the pack of triple A's, but I'm fine. Took like five steps. Boom! It's out again. You get what you pay for, right? Sometimes I feel like that's that's how I live. How about you? Or sometimes you get that recharge and. Get that battery renewed, and maybe that's what this is for you, a Sunday morning experience where it's like, yeah, I'm ready. And, and you leave here with full attention, intention to live boldly for Jesus, to follow him regardless, regardless of the cost. It seems so right and so easy when you're here. You walk out the door, and it's hardly five steps. You feel like that light goes out. Or is that just me? Well, here's the thing with Jesus. Tempted in every way. Experienced the hardship of humanity. Experienced everything that we experienced coming against us. He was mistreated. It wasn't fair. Uh, the allurement of the flesh was just as strong then to him as it is now to us. And yet Jesus, faithful shine the light on God. He always did right. He never lied. Jesus never did wrong. Jesus didn't do anything for selfish ambition. He did nothing unless the Father directed him to do that. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the true light that's come into the world. Third, he shines his light on God by physically making God known. Physically, in human language, Jesus makes God known. In in chapter 1, verse 14, if you skip a few verses ahead, verse 14, it says, The Word, remember that's the title of Jesus, the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we've seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. A couple verses later, verse 18, it says, No one has seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. The Word, God's Son, who is given the name Jesus, who always existed, he became flesh, he became human, he didn't set aside being God, he, he added to his, his expression, now humanity, so now he was fully God, and fully human, coming to earth, John doesn't go into detail on how that all happened, Luke told you about that, Luke told you about how Mary conceived by the Holy Spirit, she never had sexual relationship with a with man, And yet she conceived a child through the power of the Holy Spirit and gave birth to a son. The angel said he's going to be known as Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. You call him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. But this is is God's son putting on human form. Colossians chapter 2 says that in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Now we can understand God because he's speaking to us human language. Right? As somebody once said, how do you best communicate with a dolphin? Well, you become a dolphin. Because we can be pretty great, go to Sea world. Maybe some of you did that over spring break. Pretty awesome to see, you know, different whistles and hand gestures, and pretty cool. But it's not like a dolphin can talk to a dolphin. So how do you speak to humans? How do you take this incredible concept of divine and you make it known to humans who are not divine? but created in God's image. How do you communicate best to them? Well, you become human. That's their language. So that's what God did. Jesus took the form of humanity, and he stepped into our world. Think of Joe Doan. Joe Doan is one of our faithful members here. He often sits in the back, like some of you back there. I see you. Way in the back. Best seats in the house, right? Well, Joe does it on for a reason. You say, well, I do too. Because <laughs> I don't want to get called on. But I just got called on for sitting in the back. Sorry. Why does Joe sit in the back? Well, because he wears this little radio. And every once in a while on a Sunday morning, the thing will squawk a bit. And he'll take that. He'll step outside. He'll listen. And then he'll quickly leave. He'll go out to his... Wherever he goes, and he puts on the firefighter gear. And he goes and enters danger on behalf of people that need rescue. Why? Well, because Joe is fire chief. That's what he does. That's who who he is. When he came in on that Sunday morning and he sat in that back row, ready to worship Jesus with us, because he loves Jesus with all of his heart, the reality was he's also... Fire chief, And he steps out, he puts on his garb, he becomes a firefighter. When Jesus stepped out of heaven, he was still God, came to our earth, but he stepped in the firefighter gear, he stepped into human flesh, became one of us, so that we can fully know God. How do you know God, who's a spirit? You can't see Him. I don't know how many of you have actually had a personal conversation with God, and some of you would say, "Well, I think I did," and I would say that's awesome because God loves to make Himself known to you, and that's great. But we'd all have to admit that because He's a spirit, it's sometimes that's hard. It's hard for us to relate to Him and understand Him and fully know Him. But because Jesus has come, you can. Jesus said, "Just watch Me; you'll know the Father." If you know me, you know the Father. In fact, there's an individual who wrote a book about his experience as chaplain of Oxford. His name is Tom Wright. And he wrote this. Each year, I used to see the first-year students for a few moments. I welcomed them to college. I made a first acquaintance. Most were happy to see me, but many commented, often with a slight embarrassment, Oh, you won't be seeing much of me. You see, I don't believe in God. So I developed a stock response. Oh, that's interesting. Which God is it that you don't believe in? This used to surprise them, and they would stumble out a few phrases about maybe a a God they said they didn't believe in, a being who lived up in the sky, looking down disapprovingly at the world, or occasionally intervening to do miracles, sending bad people to hell while good people share in his heaven. And again, I had a stock response for this very common statement of spy-in-the-sky theology. He says, well, I'm not surprised you don't believe in that God. I don't believe in that God either. He says, no, I believe in the God I see revealed in Jesus of Nazareth. And then he then went on to describe how he helped his students study the scriptures to see who Jesus was, because in knowing Jesus, they would know God. And knowing, they can believe, and by believing, they have life through his name. So you want to know what God is like? Look at at the life of Jesus. You want to see how God values people and views humans? Watch how Jesus valued people and views human. You want to see what judgment is like from God's perspective? Well, look at Jesus' life. Listen to his words, what he has to say. You want to understand what it's like to trust in the Father? Well, watch Jesus and see how he trusted in the Father. You want to see what's right and wrong? Well, watch Jesus' life and you'll see God himself declaring what's right and what's wrong. If you want to know God, get to know Jesus. For those that are seeking and wondering, who is this Jesus? I come along on these Sundays just to kind of help my family or to support somebody else. That's great. I'm so glad you do come. But I hope maybe there's something that's stirring in you that says, I I want to get to know him. I want to get to know God. Let me encourage you. Maybe he's... We started in chapter 1 of John. Maybe keep going. And just watch what Jesus is like and see if that's the God that would resonate in your heart. To see if maybe this truly is God in flesh. Because getting to know Jesus, you'll get to know God. So who is this Jesus? Jesus welcomed with palm branches and shouts on one day and rejected and condemned to die the next. Who is Jesus? Well, I believe that Jesus is God's Son. I believe that He is the one who's given, who's come in human flesh. I believe that He is Lord of heaven and earth. I believe he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was born of the Virgin Mary. And as we'll look over this next Holy Week, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, we'll see Jesus as the one who died, and was buried, and rose again to give us eternal life. I want to invite you into into a response to this. These historic events are so important. It's through them that Jesus made a way for us to have personal relationship with God. You can't know God without knowing Jesus. There is no other way to the Father except through Jesus. You can't be good and then think that God will be pleased with you. That'll never work. We could never be good enough. So God sent Jesus so that we have a way